0: This podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, chug a mushroom, known as the king of mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on Earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain-boosting, neuron-sharpening, cognition-enhancing, lion's mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co and use the discount code WhiteBasementPod to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now.
1: I think the distinction between character and actor, there isn't, there isn't any. It's It's you and your body in space committing to whatever you're saying committing to the, to the things that you're doing as that character. And we're pretend we're in the audience is allowing you to be that other character. you're not you it's like I think it's like a very abusive relationship where you go you guys sit down and watch watch me and I am this character, okay okay now I can do whatever I want. But it's like, but, but then a lot of actors are shit when they, like, it's like, they, 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 hold, they have this faith that the, the, the audience will endow them with the character. And it's like, I don't need to care about what the, what the character is written for me. That's, as, as an actor, it's a, it's a job of servitude. You're given the script. You're, you're given the clothes to wear. Your, your hair, like, literally they have control of what, how your hair is and what they do with your beard. And you just have to give. The scripts are written in ink, but spoken with blood.
0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at whitebasementpod. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please do share the show. It helps us to grow. My guest today is Rawid Azdi. The son of Syrian immigrants and the first member of the family to grow up in the UK. Raweed is a graduate from RADA, the prestigious performing arts school. He has performed at the National Theatre, Lyric and Almeida and recently made his screen debut in the BBC series Night Sleeper. Most importantly, however, he holds the most exciting jiu-jitsu rank of fourth degree white belt. Yes, sir read welcome to the podcast
1: thank you for having me, man
0: um, so yeah I, I think actually like a fourth degree white belt is actually quite a quite an enjoyable one it was because when you get to blue belt for me it's like the it's like you go from am I really doing this to like I'm
1: doing jiu-jitsu yeah like a blue belt is a thing how, how long you been training I've been training for a while I started I actually sort of uh, because you know how people sometimes they change how long they're doing. it. They adjust it depending on who's asking. Um, so I actually like looked on my email to see when I actually started. And it was 2018. Uh, so it was like um, autumn of 2018. So I was 17 and it was when Ibby came to my college. Um, and then he came and he was actually teaching boxing. And then the next day uh, he did a jiu-jitsu class in the morning and then that's when I started. And then... I was training like f- like full time for around six months, uh, and then got my two stripes. I had my first competition, and then sort of fell off because of the exams. were when A levels I was doing A levels, and so I sort of uh, fell off, and also I couldn't keep up with the monthly cost. Um, and then that fell off, and then I started again uh, when my first year of drama school, and I had another six months, um, but that was at London Fight Factory. Uh, in Old Street, which is a very, very different gym. But I'm, I'm glad that I, I went there and sort of experienced jiu-jitsu from a different teacher that does it in a very different way. And and then I've come back here and, and I came back when we, it was the resistance. So earlier this year, around June. So it's come approaching another six months. So like around a year and a half, but like over four years. so
0: Because, I mean, there was that shutdown in the middle, right, with COVID. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say all the gyms shut down, but like you had to they had to know you to let you train because yeah. it was a bit kind of like closed doors. Yeah, yeah, officially we're closed but, you know, if you're regular you can come on a Tuesday or whatever but yeah. a lot of people did, you know, have to stop training for a, a year, year and a, year and a half, yeah. you know, it was was, was tough times. So, um, yeah, well, I asked you to send me like a little bit of uh, bio, you know, about um, yeah. how, how should I write your introduction and um, – you said you're you're the first uh, member of your family to to grow up in the UK. Yeah. So something that I wanted to to ask you about was um, that kind of cultural difference where you're growing up, you know, with with parents that that grew up in in a different uh, country, and a different culture, in a different environment, but also um, going into acting because. I don't know if it's the same with uh, Syrian parents, but most immigrant parents are like, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, you know, pharmacist. Yeah. Like if you say, hey, I'm going to be an actor, you know, it's like, hang hey, on, let, let me get the slipper.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So, so what what what's, what what's the story there? What was your experience of, of growing up and going into acting?
1: Well, I think... Yeah, that would, you would assume like a a parent from the Middle East would be a lot like, yeah, have that response. And I think at first there were like, sort of, my mum was like every other sort of parent from anywhere about Europe. It was like, yeah, you have a doctor or a lawyer. And I think my mum would say that to me growing up. Um, But I didn't think, I I, I gave too much thought to it growing up. I, I wasn't like necessarily, like I knew it was destined for me when I was young. I was, I was lucky enough to have like a mum that really, really did love me and really just wanted me to enjoy myself all the time and as much as she could. And now, looking back and understanding her life, it was because so much was going on, so much instability was going on in our lives. And it was so much fear that she was trying to mask over me and my siblings. So I think for her, the way of sort of... It was it was just sort of leave us to our own accord, give us a carpet with some toys and just like, just to use the same toys over like the next 10 years of your life. But you, but that's it. She just like, that's it. And then she would, she would call us to eat and then we'd go on our, our merry way. And I I, 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 can, I sort of notice how weird that is now. Um, really when I was in drama school and sort of, when you sort of go through college and secondary school, you sort of become, you're becoming an adult. You sort of wear, you, you know, secondary school, you're wearing a suit and tie and you're in the playground isn't as, as dynamic as a primary school playground. And then in drama school, once you've sort of become this stiff little baby adult, it sort of, it, it strips you back down and makes you move your body in the way that the last time you did that was before you got into, that se- you were in secondary school and you were sort of, straining that sort of play out of you and in in that time where I was rediscovering that as a young adult I I, I really was able to sort of um, appreciate what my mum gave me and it was just just, uh, freedom, true freedom and then I think by the time it was time to sort of decide what to do with my life. I think it was around 16 when you're sort of deciding what you're going to do for A-levels and stuff like that and it's sort of narrowing down and you sort of just, you can't ride the system anymore and you have to make decisions. Um, I think it was a blessing that my mum didn't know the education system and she's just, it was free reign. She didn't have any expectations. It's sort of as long as I was in school, she just let me do what I want and I think um, I was actually going to go, I wasn't even going to do A-levels, I was going to do performing arts, um, like go to a college but then that, that that wasn't actually it wasn't actually a great college i just wanted to do it because i enjoyed it and at the time i would hear inspirational things online of just follow your heart do what you enjoy and it just seemed to be the thing that i felt like you know when you just have that feeling you're you're doing the right thing your your body and your your spirit is in the right place when you're and and like for example when i was in secondary school the, my drama class was was awful it was i think the it was majority no one picked it um and so I was the only one, like above in the top three sets, that did it, and the rest were the special needs students or the ones that um, that couldn't speak English. And so I was playing, and that, and that was really testing my love for it. It was like drama was something I hated because I just it wasn't it was weird to be in, um, and I had to learn to love it. And then I started. i was just correct for the people that I watch. I didn't actually perform in the national uh, lyric and Almeida. I did the young companies there, right. so I, I I did that. So when I was uh, like sixteen, I just like searched online, and I think sixteen, I was like terrified, like as as I think a lot of young people are. And luckily, living in London is such a valuable thing. You've got these theatres that are like you know world-renowned theatres, and they they do great plays. And you just search them up, and all of them had outreach programs, and they 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 have a hunger for, you know, a real hunger for 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 discovering new talent and harbouring talent that comes from impoverished backgrounds, which was a huge huge blessing for me and I'm like really grateful that that those were in place because that's where I started to love it and start to be with people that actually wanted to do it and then when you're with those people then you're sort of learning by being just surrounding yourself with people that want to do it and then you sort of see people that do something great and then you just just by osmosis just soaking it all in and then if you do it long enough or you're in the space long enough you start to shift from the inside and then drama school is because those courses were like once a week or in an evening and drama schools three years full time and then you do that you, you work a schedule that not even professional actors do um, for that extended period of time and 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 then <laughs> ooh, it, the shifts that I went through and and it really does test your love for it because it's no longer just fun and like we're doing this for fun it's it beats the fun out of it and it goes, why do you love this? Why do you want to do it? And I think the people that survive such a competitive career like acting or any career that, that is competitive is you have to marry the love for it with the discipline. And I think that's where I'm sort of, yeah, figuring it out.
0: So you 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 took like drama then as an option. Yeah. And what what made you then go and look for those kind of outreach programs? Because if you were kind of there and thinking, I'm not sure whether this is so great, It's stuck with a bunch of weird people here. You you must have already had something that was saying like, there's something more to this.
1: Yeah. I think it must have been the desire to continue to play. And I think, because I remember, and as I said, it was a memory that was unlocked in drama school where I was with my friend from primary school. He came to the same secondary school with me and I had the trampoline in my back garden and we were in year seven and he came over to my house after school and we went in the trampoline in my trampoline i did role play i was like we'll just role play but we're in year seven and i remember how old is year seven so it's like 12 11 12 and we're "We're doing it and you, you know but i still feel like a child everyone you still feel like a child you haven't like completely stripped up. and then we were playing role play and after we finished it felt like we just molested each other it was like we shouldn't be doing this. It was just like this is disgusting. Like we, and I remember feeling that and artificially putting that. Going, we can't, like, we can't do this anymore. And I have like young, I have three younger siblings. And I remember going to the, uh, the, the, you know, the soft playhouses, and, you know, still like you know have the height limit. If you're above this height, you can't take part. And I was like, fuck. And luckily, I had the excuse of looking after my siblings to be able to still be in it, but. I think it was just a, a deep love for being in space, uh, that you can move your body like in, in a completely free way, interacting with others, being in space in relation to others, and and just exploring the world in a, in a very primitive way, throwing those like those balls, those plastic balls at each other, dodging it, chasing each other, and and, and like and and that like now that I've discovered, like you know and with the help of sort of psychedelics and in drama school and exploring that and the revelations I had with that and then sort of in drama school and all of that. You go, those are things that I think is, a, is the reason why being an adult is so miserable and so terrifying. And we we look to these spaces that are, are places for adults to play. Um, and in, in like, for example, nightclubs, uh, you know, bowling alleys and arcades and stuff like that. But even then, they're, they're sort of decorated with adult things like drinking or the the or the prospect of enge- like finding someone to mate with and stuff like that. Then it's it's quite hard and to find a group of people that you're genuinely friends with that actually just want to do those things for the for the love of it and spending time with each other. Um, and I think the thing that that made me commit to to pursuing it is just is. I don't know really it was just it was just I think it was a stubbornness to to not do anything else that I knew that I didn't like the idea of I didn't I didn't like that I hated homework I always hated homework I always hated the sort of the 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 sort of the oppression of time that came with your soul like being being conscripted to this writing this paper or, or serving something that isn't in relation to your body in 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 physical space yeah i mean i think
0: i i i I didn't have the same experience but i I can relate to 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 that kind of uh school system and homework and you know the bell goes you go here the bell goes again you go there sit down stand up whatever and um you know i think obviously there there are a lot of merits and benefits to to learning that discipline and to learning how to count and learning how to spell and learning how to read you know these things are important but i think the the certainly from from my um memory of the school system which you know is 35 years ago is probably a lot different to how it is now but a lot of it i think is around teaching you how to do what you're told yeah, that's kind of the system. Is you know, like I say, you got to be there at nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, you have assembly. At nine twenty, you got your first lesson. you know, See for a single one or a double one. Then you have lunch break, uh, 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 milk break, fifteen minutes. Then more lessons. Then lunch is one hour. And you know, it's sort of preparing you to just be like a cog in a machine. Yeah. Um, and so, I think being able to to understand that. And find an alternative so early, you know, 16, 18, whatever years old, and and just think, actually, that's shit. I don't want to do that. This actually seems kind of quite good fun. I'm going to pursue this. I think that's, that's a blessing because a lot of people, I mean, myself included, would... Would love to do something more creative and yeah. more varied and more diverse and more artistic as a as a job as a as a means of supporting yourself. But the the difficulty is that the older you get, without doing it, the harder it is. Yeah, because you get used to okay. I go to work. I earn a salary. Pays my bills. Whatever yeah. you know. Saying oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna like see what happens see if i can get some work see if i can do this see if i can do that it's it's a much more difficult transition to make as you get older i had a guy on just a couple of weeks ago uh called leon um so i'll put a link to his episode up here if you're watching on youtube and i'll put it in the show notes he's a stuntman and he was sort of doing martial arts and did a bit of door work and then got um because he was a martial artist, there was an open call for extras on Batman Begins. Because, oh, you know, the League of Shadows, all the ninjas. Yeah, 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 They were like, we just need martial artists. Crazy. So he turned up to that with his mates and um, they had a couple of days of kind of rehearsals, kind of the stunt people just watching them. Yeah. And then they called like 20, 30 of them and said like the next day come and audition and do some stuff. And one thing led to another. So he's in that movie. Wow. Um, and he was, I think he said he was there with two of his mates. So afterwards, they were like, "We can like do this for a job." So they they started like a little crew, three of them, and they started choreographing fight scenes and filming them and putting them on uh, like putting them on videotapes and sending them out. And then the internet came up, so he's sort of putting stuff online, and just gradually, gradually, people started to to say, "Oh, there's these three guys; they can do stuff if you need a little fight crew for a film." And he just kind of went like that, and you know, he's he's my age, I think he's sort of fifties, and he's just been doing that. He gets a job here, he gets a job there. He's working for six weeks, not working for six weeks, and he said, you know, I'm used to it. It's that's that's my thing. I think for me, you know, I'd be terrified to 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 just pack up, get in a salary, and knowing okay, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I work, I get paid you know, as, as dry as it is, it, it, it does provide that kind of stability and security that that you get used to. Um, but I mean, you're still young, right? You haven't, you haven't even kind of got into that misery of doing the same shit for 20 years. No,
1: luckily not not yet. But I mean, I remember the, when sort of deciding how I'm going to do it, um, and as you said, you were te- like it's it's terrifying. And th- and now that I've learned, it's it's fundamentally. And I think art is what makes an artist is their relationship with fear. Um, and and for me, the one example of that is I remember when I was sort of like sixteen, sort of deciding what I'm I'm, I'm going to decide to do, and watching the Jimmy Kimmel shows and Jimmy Fallon shows and watching actors sort of interview, be interviewed, and just going. That's that's a fucking person. That, that's it. They're just human. They're, there's nothing. They're, they're, and but one thing that they have consistent with all of them is they radiate love in the absence of fear. They sat there, and of course they can because they've got their cushy paychecks. They've got their lovely houses. They've got all this fame and stuff like that. So it's easier for them to do. And we see them at the sort of pinnacle. You know, these shows are the pinnacle of that. They're they're, they're being showcased to the world. But I think that. That relationship, that sort of fearlessness in the presence of people begins at the early stages when they're deciding what they're going to do. And I remember for me watching that and um, I remember this thought that I said to myself, like a, a huge pivotal thought was like, I need to accept the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that I just, I'm homeless. I'm just homeless begging for money on the streets. And then when you accept the worst case scenario, and it's not death, I'm not going into like the trenches. or all the, I'm just like, it's just I'm not going to have any money. That w- that made it easier to sort of make it this this not let that fear grow inside of me to be this this thing that I'm un- uncont- like I can't control. I have to localize that fear and understand what is that fear. And yeah, there's there's a, a huge risk, and there's a huge risk even now, having after everything that I've done. That there won't be a no, an, another job for a, for a long time. But luckily I live in this metropolitan where there's a cafe in every street corner and there's a, like I, if, if, if I have to make ends meet, I'll make ends meet. Um, but somehow it's fucking worked out and I couldn't tell you what it is. And I, when they say the law of attraction, I was, I'm reading a lot of self uh, um, audio books. I'm listening to a lot of audio books about self-help and I saw The Secret and I was like, oh, I want to know The Secret. And it's just the law of attraction. And to hear that, before I've sort of reached this wall of like, fuck, what have I done with my life? And just like be on top of it and be riding this momentum of like life giving me what I've asked out of it and working for it. And then hearing that that's what the most successful people do. And you go, whoa, what the fuck? And, and I remember before I've sort of went on this wave of exploring self-help and and what that was. I, I it, Like for me, the, it was... It came down to my relationship with fear because even when you are doing it, the fear just—it's the next step. It's like whatever stage you're in and whatever aspect of the career that like level, the hierarchy is, whatever stage, the fear is relative, but it always exists. And you see, even now, like you know, because we're connected, so viscerally to to even the the highest pinnacle of society. And you get to see, for example, on the Joe Rogan podcast, the pit like Elon Musk and Kanye West. They've got their own fears and they've got their own demons and we're seeing it. And it's like, it's naked. They're naked. We're all, we're all struggling. We all have this internal war between fear. For me, it boils down between fear and love. And I am learning now, now that I've sort of finished all this, the sort of uh, educational, educational, aspect of my career and now I'm sort of like auditioning for jobs and and like now I'm sort of in a war between time and money I am learning I'm I'm I'm, I'm holding down or I'm holding as much as, as possible the idea of love radiating love because that that for me is where I found more success in el- evolving my craft to the point where I, I'm doing a better job of, uh, objectively it's more interesting to watch but it's more fun to do and I'm not at risk of you know of course, in entertainment and artists i think they they feel so viscerally and they express and they're naked and they're interacting with people constantly um then addiction is rampant and um drug abuse and loneliness and and even in there's the seediness even at the drama school level that i think just grows even more where people are using each other or looking at each other of who's the best who's the that's all fear and it was ugly it's it was and then and it was so ugly where i was like missing the days of being in my gcse drama class where it was shit like no one was doing it good but there was an innocence to it and as you get better and better there's an innocence that gets lost and it's restoring that innocence and that for me was finding or, or grasping what love was to the point where as you said with the, the stuntman it's just people in a room just and and then you just get accepted into these spaces that are so revered, but they're, we're all just people, and it's just all. And as as I, you know, the the, the job that I've just done with the BBC, and I'm with crazy people, going, "What the fuck?" I watch, I was like in my bedroom watching you like a few years ago. And they're just all people. They get tired. That sit down. That need a snack. That need, and that that um. And it's 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 still a, a constant learning process to hold that. Hold, like every day, fear is coming and bleeding into to. the forefront of the mind or sometimes it's even worse it bleeds into the subconscious and then you're you're being driven subconsciously to do repetitive habitual and uh, stuff like scrolling on your phone not doing the thing that you want to do so i'm but it's keeping that in the forefront of the mind and and every day if you're on top of that then i'm i think I was speaking to a friend. Uh, we're catching up. She was like, "She was like, in in twenty years, your life is what you do every day, what you make of every day. Eventually, will grow to where you end up being in twenty years, thirty years time." And I, have of course, I've only lived here for twenty two years, but in the small time where I had some sort of control of my life, I'm seeing and feeling reward to the point where it's not just bleeding in. It's it's these these symbols of success in terms of what I'm doing for money, but just the quality of my relationships, my family, and my partner, um, and also like interacting with people I don't know very well, and just sort of just being bearing the world with, with innocence.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's quite uh, interesting that. You're, I mean, still, you're 22, right? Yeah. So I think it's quite a young age to already be so aware of the different vibrational energy, right, that love and gratitude and these sorts of things are like the highest um, kind of vibrations and fear and anger and shame and regret and things are are kind of the the low vibrations. And I think as you get older – Because you because you experience more shitty things, that 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 sort of drag downwards gets heavier. You know when you're when you're young. Obviously, it's, it's a different experience for for different people. But but broadly speaking, when you're a kid, you're protected. By your parents so they just give you toys and say hey just play on the carpet and then they call you and say lunch and they call you and say have some dinner right you don't know where the food really comes from what they had to do to get it yeah you, you they protect you from all of that and that's the job of a parent right is is to to just allow the kids to be kids and as you get older and you and you start to like become an adult and you realize okay the way that you protect that innocence for other people is fucking dealing with all this shit every day because there's shit everywhere and i i I think certainly for me and i I think for probably a, a lot of people would have a similar experience that the older you get the more you do become aware of those different kind of states of being the high vibrational states and low vibrational states and you know you 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 move between them things happen and you have a good day bad day good year bad year whatever things things come and go but it's 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 fascinating to me that you kind of have such a um, like a visceral grasp of that already and i think that's that's actually really important because Being in that high vibrational state generally will, it makes people want to deal with you. Yeah, They want to hang out with you. They want to work with you. They want to talk to you. They want to do stuff with you because it raises their vibrational state. You know, we got this um, electromagnetic field, which I think goes maybe like six foot out from the body roughly. Um, I think it's kind of heart-centered. And you can feel it. You can feel it. You stand near someone, talk to someone, whatever. Who's just like buzzing or angry or whatever. You can feel it. It's, it's a, it's, there's no doubt. Um, you know that it's a it's a real thing, and that these fields interact. And um, it's, it's fascinating to me that you that you kind of gravitate towards that in terms of your going into that that world of of performance and and using that in your performance so so here's a question for you because I I, I I had a spate of making short films about, about maybe 10 to 15 years ago I made like 10, 12 little short films and I I was writing and directing and camera and whatever and obviously I'd get people to come in and, and act but I I, I, I find it Difficult to, to really to feel how actors really get into the state to play a character. So I don't know whether you've had any roles to play where you're playing someone who's really angry yeah. or who's really depressed or whatever. Like when I was I was like looking at people's reels to, to get people for, for these movies, and like I'd I'd see some. Reels with some performances in, and I'd think like that is amazing, like that's just incredible. And then I'd speak to them, and I'd think like this is not the same person. Mm. This is like literally this is this is not who I was expecting to meet or talk to or ring up or whatever. From from the performance that I saw to the person that I talked to. So how how do you you know if you're if you're I guess the, the question maybe is like this: if you're playing someone who's in a low vibrational state. Do you need to get into a low vibrational state or can you play it from a high vibrational state and and just play it and it still be as real and as as kind of tangible?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting like the um, the line between character and an actor is a weird thing that even drama school doesn't it tells you the answer. It's sort of what drama school really is is for you to explore these things. Not through sort of philosophising about it, just through repetition and doing it, and and you sort of figuring out your your point of view, and what I, I, I what I found was, and I think for most actors, I think we all know that the sort of the extreme emotions they're the easiest to do. They're the easiest. And like it, it is, it's, it's sort of like a, it's actually quite masturbatory as a performer. You want to be doing it. We want the character. We want the joker. We want the one that, um, and so like, and, and I think initially, that's the thing you're drawn to. You, know, you want to display the, the the ugliest side to you. and, and, and But then you go, okay, like, yeah, that's the moment of the play. But if you, you, you dabbled in storytelling, as a storyteller, you want that to be, You want that to be built up for for the the majority of the story. You want that to be the pinnacle and you want the destruction of that. So that's like a fraction of the story. And and that's the fraction of your job as an actor. And there's this this exercise in drama school. It's famous. It's the Meisner exercise. And, and it's very like psychedelic in its nature. It's, it's basically you sat. You, it's two people sat in front of each other and you have to repeat what the other person says. And what the other person says is just what they observe in you. And so they say, I say, you've crossed your arms. And then you say, I've crossed my arms. You've crossed your arms. I've crossed my arms. And then you naturally see something in me and then I have to say that. And then it's like a communic... You're not communicating with the words that you're saying. You're communicating with your, this, your vibration. And what's... And and that exposes the sort of the the tendencies of of actors, and, and and for me the the most exposing thing is we feel like actors because we're attention whores, we want to show the extreme emotions, we want to show either passionate seduction or complete sort of anger and joy. And I, what what would be very rare in the Meisner exercise is seeing platonic love. It's seeing weirdness and awkwardness because of course sitting in in front of two like uh, sitting bare like on a chair in an empty space in front of someone else it's a completely awkward thing and then it, what it does it the, the exercise is magical because it exposes i think the sort of the, the the bullshit that we come in with as actors of like what an actor should be and it's uh, sort of and i think the tendency in it, including me is you want to come in be courageously sort of authentic and just unfazed by the, the gaze of the other person unfazed by 15 people watching you and show this sort of like, and then for me, I I can only speak for myself and it's only, it's only fair to you. I, I felt the best. There was a, there was a teacher called John Biskitza that I, 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 I love, and I'll say his name proudly. Um, and I was doing it with someone, um, and it was just it's just awkward and stiff. We were, we have our protection mechanisms when you're with someone, in a, and I'm just like and I'm like I'm like well, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm ready to be, I'm ready to flow. I'm ready to flow, but it's not it's not flowing. And I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Like it's like, and, but then, and then you think is, is it their fault? It's, yeah, it's their fault. It's not me. I'm ready. Um, and I'm just like I'm just sat down, just doing me, and then and then. It finishes and he goes, how was it? He, sit, he sits, they sit down and then just naturally he goes, okay, how was that? And they and you go, you, and the two actors are just sat there like, oh, I don't know. How was that? And then he goes, um, he makes the girl sit down and he sits down in front of me. And this was like a year into the training and he's doing it with me. And we're doing it. And, and he just looks at me. Cause you're doing it with young people, cause it's you know, and he looks at me, it's like an old and he goes, you have kind eyes, and I go, I have kind eyes, and then I just break down, I break down, I have kind eyes, da, da, da. and and then we are just, I'm broken, I'm just completely broken, and he, and it was a compliment that broke me, and and I was I, I was clumsy, and I was weird, and I was emotional, and I was like. And it was love that started that. And I think when you said is it the high vibrational, we'll go to that. It's like, when you are, I think, living in a high vibrational state, you are more weird. You feel anger more viscerally. You are, you're just more like a, like a kid is the perfect example. You take their toy away from them. They're screaming. They're screaming with pure innocence. You give that back, they let it go. Whereas adults, you have an argument or someone looks at you the wrong way, we hold that we hold that for years. We see them at every gathering and we go, fuck, that little cunt. And you know what is do you know what is what grows that 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 fear and anger grow? It's dishonesty. We live in dishonesty, we live in our bubbles, but as a kid, you bear yourself to the universe. And I when the Meisner nexus when a transition for me, and a huge shift as, for me as an actor, um was going, I need to bear, I need to not. Because of course I'm a young man. I have a vani- I have vanity. I want to be attractive. I want to be. I want to go up there and be like, yeah, you're doing this. But I was like, no, I can't do that. I can. I can. That is. It. Many men find success as that as actors and and the, the pinnacle are you know the shows sort of. Ooh. But I, I want it to be. I, I I want to be. I think the distinction between character and actor there isn't there isn't any. It's it's you and your body in space committing to whatever you're saying, committing to the, to the things that you're doing as that character, and we're pretend we're in the audience is allowing you to be that other character. You're not you. It's like I think it's like a very abusive relationship where you go, you guys sit down and watch watch me, and I am this character. Okay, okay, now I can do whatever I want. But it's like, but but then a lot of actors are shit when they like. It's like they 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 they, hold, they have this faith that the, the the audience will endow them with the character, and it's like I don't need to care about what the what, the character is written for me. That's as, as an actor, it's a it's a job of servitude. You're given the script, you're you're given the clothes to wear, your your hair like literally they have control of what, how your hair is and what they do with your beard, and you just have to give the uh, a quote. I uh, think. That I heard in drama school is it's the scripts are written in ink, but spoken in, with blood. And that's what you do. You bring blood into these words. And what that is, is just bringing you, just bringing you the pure essence of you. Um, and what the Meisner exercise does that exposes that, what is you in the, in when you're being watched? Cause there's anyone, I think anyone can be, anyone's a great actor. You can watch the Joker film, look at yourself in the mirror, put some makeup on and do the best performance. But then you get your mum to look at you and watch you. Then then it goes out the window. And then imagine having ten people, five people, like fifty people, and then if you make a film, millions of people. So how do you carry that authenticity? What are you? You have to really know what that is, so that when when the whole world's watching, they feel like they they know you. Yes, yeah, very. Um,
0: i I've, I've always. Uh, felt not always but as i've as i've got older and watched movies particularly movies it's you're you're very sort of vulnerable very exposed you know there there, it's 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 like complete nakedness Um, and you gotta be i think you gotta be able to 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 just kind of do that give that kind of everything you've got to that performance without even like the expectation of will they like it exactly it's just like no i just have to commit to it and then it is what it is yeah i mean it's it's i i never really done any acting but it's i think it's a little bit like um jujitsu comp in that in that sense yeah um and i was just editing an episode this afternoon before we we came in here um, with a guy that that was in a few weeks ago um, called Spencer Hewitt, I will put a link up here and I will put it in the show notes. He's a he's competitive. Uh, he's ranked number one in the world, No Gi Masters three. Nice. Um, and you know he's very much like the preparation, the technique. You know, and then you just go and you just like you that your your purpose is to win, and you do it all the preparation you can do, and then you just go in with that kind of single focus. And, you know, he said, like, what he says, because I asked him, you know, people get nervous about competing, and he said, you know, it's the same thing I tell my guys. Like, it's it's the same as rolling in the gym, but a bit more intense. Everyone's going a little bit harder, but he says, like, when you're in the gym, do you give a shit, like, if someone's watching? Do you give a shit, you know, wh- whether it was supposed to be at three o'clock, but it's half past three or whatever? No just go and roll so it's you know i think i I guess it's it's kind of a similar thing where you just try to go into that state of no expectations nothing attached to it just into that kind of it's not an empty space but it's, it's it's a free space right where you you just like hicks and gracie says right flow with the go yeah you just let's just play it and, and see what happens. And I think you can see. I mean, we, we talked a, a little bit before on, on uh, WhatsApp and you said you, you you don't watch a lot of movies. I mean, I, I love yeah. movies. Well, I used to love movies. I think they make shit movies these days. But I used to watch loads of movies. Um, but you can tell when you're watching a performance and you can tell when you're watching a character. Yeah. Like when you when you just watch something and you... Like like one of my favourite movies. I don't know if you've seen Shawshank Redemption. I have, yeah. I mean that for me, in terms of performances,
1: crazy, no.
0: yeah. You just they're just those guys.
1: Crazy.
0: They're not. They are. It just doesn't so feel true. like acting at yeah. all. It just feels like these guys. They're stuck in this prison and they're doing their thing and they're this and they're that and it and you know like every time I watch it, it's everything's just faultless. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're watching something and something just jars you out of it. Yeah, Even a camera move or a line of dialogue or there's something that is just like, oh, that fucking ruin, just yeah. the bursts of the, the illusion. You know, that, that, that movie I think for me is a, a real good example of what I would see as people that just committed to that performance, just being in that kind of space and just going like, yeah, what is it like if you're stuck in here like for your whole life? Like, what would it be like? How would you? What would your face look like? What would you you know? Your wrinkles, your it's you know, but but that's I mean, again, you you tell me, I think that that's can be emotionally like draining, yeah. You got to really go like for everything, give everything,
1: but yeah, like you definitely act- one thing with Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption is that they're actually on the set, like I don't think it's. Uh, special effect yeah it looks, it, it looks like a they're there block. yeah yeah and which must help as an actor well, of, if you're of any... course it does because yeah. you're there yeah you're away from your family you're, unless they've all bought their family and their kids and all like they are actually just in a with all all dressed in the thing and it's like and that's the that's the scam that actors uh, won't tell you is that it's, it's hardly any work really the work's done like, like they're really evicted you can have the best performance but if it's not if the if the, the the script isn't great, and if the if if the design is the special effects are great, then you, you so it's like the, as much as you can get. Like it's not just a thing where the actors go up there. It's the it's the thing that you see, but there's so much that goes into it that that determines whether or not you're sold. But I and I think one thing that like I think I agree. Like the, the, I think films have lost their way, um, and I think. Um, I I give it, but I I, I look at it with optimism because I think it really is in its infancy. Theater, like the ancient Greeks invented sort of the traditional, what we, like the way our format of theater, that's thousands of years ago. Film has only existed, what, less than a hundred years? Like, like, give or take? Like, so we're in the infancy of it, but we're also in the rise of um, this this, uh, digital economy of streamlined sort of like viewership and sort of access this stream of like, and then give them something that's polished and has this fine, this cool name and then people will watch it. And so it's like, it's an exploitative factory sort of market now. It's sort of like the equivalent of uh, factory farming, but for films, um, and I can sense that a lot of people have this shared view. I mean, it's just renewed sort of like, you know, reboots and stuff like that. Um, the things that I'm like, a lot of the scripts that I'm I'm auditioning for, I'm going, like of course I'm in the infancy of my career, I'm not getting the best scripts. But then I'm going, okay, I'm not getting these. I mean, that's got money in. That's like that's got producer. That's got cast and directed. Like that's got thousands of pounds of money flowing through it. And then you can look at the top of like, well, okay, maybe that's just my level. What's what's the quality of work with millions of? And it's doo doo. And then it's like. And I think there's the and then there's the rise of the sort of independent filmmaking scene and the sort of festival sort of that that sort of becoming where people that love films are going to go. And I think that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, I so
0: this 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 was some of the, the stuff that I'd written down actually to talk to you about. So the the thing that I've uh, noticed, I mean, I'm I turn fifty one next month, right? Yeah. So I'm much older than you. And I, so, you know, I I was a movie fan as a kid and a teenager and a young adult, whatever, and then I started doing short films, I I guess I must have been like in my mid-30s, early to mid-30s, something like that. And I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Get a camera, start, you know, writing some stuff and make a little two-minute film and then make a three-minute film and just kind of go that way. And I remember, you know, when I started doing it, it was just kind of at the beginning of YouTube, yeah, so you could like have a YouTube channel and then put short films up and you know enter little festivals and and all of that kind of stuff. And then I I that that was like a good five probably five years worth of my life you know all my spare time doing film stuff. And then I kind of just got burned out. You know, it was like too 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 difficult and too much work alongside of doing a, a day job. Yeah, and I and I just kind of was like, yeah, I, I I can't really do it anymore. But I've, I, I really feel like, so my, my kind of metric, I guess, that I, that I look at is like what comes up on my feed on YouTube. Yeah. And now you've got TikTok and Instagram and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I was doing that film stuff, it was very much like um, narrative stuff, short films, bits of films, bit clips of TV stuff, you know, like more kind of um, produced content you know traditionally produced there's a script there's actors there's a camera guy there's an editor whatever and i've just felt more and more this drift towards and even for myself like what i sit down and spend x number of hours per week watching used to be movies yeah. And now it's YouTube videos. Yeah. Cuz I need to know what happened this week in the cryptocurrency. I need to know what's going on in the Middle East. I need, you know, want to catch up on this. There's this guy that I always watch him twice a week cuz he's good on macroeconomics and blah, yeah. blah blah blah. And I I I mean, I hope you're right and I'm wrong, but I feel like we're kind of we've already lost that ability to as culturally to to value and invest time and energy in like the real narrative storytelling stuff. Yeah. You know, even even just looking at the actual movies that that um mostly that are made now, it's like the Barbie movie.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, even though it tries to have a bit of social commentary. I don't know if you've seen it. But
1: yeah I have yeah. even
0: though it tries to have a bit of social commentary and it's a bit you know did a it's a fucking Barbie movie. Yeah. It's fucking Barbie dolls, and then they have a bit of drama, and then they sort it out, mm-hmm. and that qualifies as the number one blockbuster. You know, it's between that and the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer which I yeah. didn't watch. Um, but I don't know how we, I don't know how we turn the boat. You know, it's a bit like what you were saying at the beginning. Like you, you, you realize twenty years further through your life. Your life is where it is because of what you did every single minute of every single day over those previous twenty years, and it's and, and it's like a you know the the analogy of the ship sailing from you know London to New York, and if it goes like a half degree off course, yeah. by the time it goes over there, it's in Jamaica instead exactly, of New yeah. York, and you know kind of culture and pop culture and the movies that are getting made and the stuff that people are interested in or whatever, that takes a lot of time and energy to, to move. And I don't see it going in a better direction. I mean, for me, you know, this 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 would probably be a very controversial um, um, point, per, per perspective, point of view, but the, the Top Gun Maverick... Is the best film that's been made in the last five years. You no, know, to, to me,
1: that was my top ten. You
0: know, yeah. yeah. Did you actually do a top ten? Yeah, oh, I, did, I, yeah. I didn't do one because you told me. Don't, no, but don't it was like
1: one. it was just like just a four yeah. Term. So you can
0: you can run me through it, but but you know it it was like that. It it had no. Um, gender issues Yeah, it had no racial issues yeah. it had no political issues it had no yo, we've got to have you know one disabled pilot and we've got to have exactly, this yeah. got to, it was just like no nah, what would men. there probably be right <laughs> like and, and you know the thing that I that I liked about it well there's there's a lot of things that I liked about it one I think even though Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise playing Tom Cruise yeah. playing Tom Cruise playing Maverick playing Tom Cruise playing Maverick yeah but there's still an honesty to the performance there's still like a there's still like this thing with him of like he wants you to sit in the cinema for two hours with the popcorn and just be like this is fucking awesome like he has that that love for the format of film of movie like it's an experience it's not two hours you went and watched something it's like man i I had an experience so there's there's that kind of honesty to to the to the performance and the project but also you know like you were saying with with Shawshank that they were in the prison yeah I mean, I don't know whether you watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff with, with that movie, but it's all in planes. Top gun, yeah. No fucking green screen. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you can. And you know, if you listen to him talking about it, he was like, this was the only... This why we didn't make the film for so long. Because yeah. I was only going to make it when they figured out how to put IMAX cameras in the front of F-18s. That's good for, good for and, you you know and you see like the the actors training and like passing out and yeah. doing all the that to learn how to get out the planes underwater and all this stuff and you can't fake that you can you can when you watch it we we've watched that movie about 30 times now so we watched it four times in the cinema i i, I don't go to the cinema anymore cuz i am like i'm not spending 20 quid and wasting time <laughs> to watch some bullshit yeah and when and that came out like it was slated bef- just before covid and then COVID hit the cinema shut and it wasn't coming out. I was like, no, like yeah. this was my, f- from, I watched the first one, right? When I was, I don't know, 15, 16. Yeah. And I was doing the Need for Speed with everyone for the you know, next two years, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, this, I was saying to my wife, like, We've, we have to go and see this. We have to go and see this. And then when it finally came out, have you sat in those four DX chairs, the ones that move? I haven't you? No.
1: Bro. Oh, I missed that opportunity. So i
0: never I never sat in one, right? And I didn't even because literally we don't go cinema anymore. So I haven't, I haven't the last thing I think I saw at cinema before that was maybe um, Interstellar, which yeah. was amazing. Um on the IMAX. But um I was looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, we need to sit on the IMAX, the big screen. And then they had this 4DX screen, and I was like, let me see like what well, that's that sounds a bit kind of like gimmicky. shonky, yeah, yeah, gimmicky. But fuck it. I was like, we haven't, we haven't. Ever gone 4DX? Let's go 4DX, mate.
1: Oh, it's mate. good film to do it. I think it's the best film to do that. It yeah.
0: is. We went and saw the, um, the Mission Impossible movie after yeah. 4DX, it was horrible,
1: yeah, exactly. But being in a jet, you're literally mate. sat where they're sat. It, what it, the fuck? Is,
0: it, it was, we went four times, <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. You know, you just and and us, we got the second row from the front because I was like, fuck it, we're gonna sit right, yeah. There. So, like, you know, you, you just can't see the edges of the screen, so you're right there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know you sit in it, and then as the movie starts, like they raise up, so it just kind of goes like up, and then you can feel that you're kind of floating. Yeah, man, oh, That's it, it was it was this. This what I was thinking, you know, when you were saying about about still wanting to do the kids stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was five. I was five years old. I was just I was just sitting in this fighter plane, you know, like flying around, and oh man. It was amazing, but um, but I think apart from that, it's just all like green screen nonsense. Yeah, and it's and, and and to me, it's even it's even done like yeah, it's green screen. Look, it's green screen. They don't yeah, even try to make even, it any more yeah. like it's green screen. But we're trying to make it real. They're like nice no, it's, it's Ken and Barbie, isn't Cause it? Because it's so
1: cheap to do. Like, me dabbling in filmmaking, it's like, I've just been like, it's so, it's so much money to get, that you, you, you like, shoot outside where the weather's unpredictable, all of that, and they need to make it quick. And so, like, I empathise, like, it's like, it's so much easier. And, like, of course, now that I've been doing it for, like, so many years, they've streamlined the process where it sort of looks half decent.
0: And also, you you know, the, I think the, the problem as well is that if, if you're talking about the younger audience, which... Okay, older people have got more money, but the younger audience is kind of the ones that get excited about stuff. They're the ones that go buy the toy and the T-shirt and the the soundtrack and whatever. They're like conditioned now that that's what a film is. Yeah. Like if they go and watch, I don't know, something like Shawshank, man, five minutes in, all you're going to see is mobile phones. People just checking their WhatsApp and their, you know, Instagram because, bro, nothing's happened yet. They're just... It's fucking old geezers talking to each other. You
1: can hide, like, and then you you hear it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like it might actually be um I and mean, it's it sounds kooky, but then you go, I mean it's it's a if it is if it's not kooky, it's fucking it's like the idea that it's actually there's a video of a Russian guy talking about um that this might have been like a generational sort of like an act of warfare, like cold warfare oh, yeah, where it's it sort of yeah, like yeah. hijacked. Well, the whole woke thing was was absolutely like... Like bots, a, just like yeah. bots that sort of stirred up the Western world. Yeah. Sort of make us not patriotic. Make us sort of like scoff at the at gender roles and what that and and sort of now we live in complete instability and to the point where our attention span is like sec- like we five seconds and beyond that we're like so we have no room for empathy we have no room for like understanding characters and space and time and story and consequence we just want it. Boom, 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 yeah. and go home and then do, 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 see naked people dance and sort of like da da da, da and all this satisfying gooey stuff that's been pre- it's like, what the fuck and then it, it makes you think whoa like it, that's, a, that's such a genius way of like destabilizing the so-called free free world that,
0: yeah 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 I mean you know you look around but it's working it's working it's it's a, it's a big problem and that's that's why I you know I I, I am I am over a long enough time, I'm always optimistic. Yeah. I think people will always find their way in the end. They will realise, you know, this is, we're not going in a good direction. We need to change. We need to right the ship and, and, and put it back on course. But I, I don't know how long that takes. I mean, interestingly, um, I was, did you listen to the Elon Musk, the new one when he was on Rogan? Yeah. So this was this was something because because you know I'm a, I'm like right in the tinfoil hat end of things you know I'm oh, sweet. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a proper <laughs> yeah you know, you know there's there's nothing that you're gonna tell me that I'm gonna say Perfect. I don't believe that bro. Cool. But um, when he when he um, bought Twitter yeah I said like this is a turning point yeah. this is like a real positive thing and everyone was like no he's a fucking CIA and he's paid opposition and he's this and he's that and the other and I said look. He, from from listening to him on the first Rogan podcast, yeah. I think he's just a fucking super genius guy. You can tell. If you just go with an open mind and listen to it, you, you can just tell when you're speaking to mm. someone. You know, Rogan asks him a question, he just sits there for like 30 seconds thinking yeah, about it. and he's artistic,
1: like, sort of magic in his head. Yes. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's, but that yes is like like everything that's ever happened yeah. in the universe you know have you seen that movie paul the, no. with the alien paul no it's, no I haven't it's very seen funny it. but it's a comedy yeah, yeah yeah it's very funny but there's this one bit is an alien and um one of the characters she's like a like a proper hardcore born-again christian yeah and um they they keep they keep like having this argument about god and this and that and the other and then he does like this kind of Mind milled thing on them, like she sees everything that's ever happened in the yeah. universe, and then, like it, you know, it's a funny moment. But I kind of get that feeling with Elon Musk, like even when you ask him, you know, like do you prefer full fat milk or semi skimmed? It's like <sighs> full fat, but it's not the way you got to it. There is like some engineering yeah. shit, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, I listened to him on this on this new one, and he and he basically said like I bought Twitter because these people that run, that are running social media are destroying civilization. Yeah. And he didn't say it in like this, f- like, throwaway, sensational ways, like they're destroying civilization. He said, you look where all these companies are based, this is San Francisco. And if you go to San Francisco, it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. You know, th- th- there's, there's an app where it shows you where the human shit is because no. there's so much human shit on the pavements because there's so many homeless people yeah. and no one cares that you you've literally got you can literally log you know like you do with the traffic here yeah. you can log like there's a poo there on the corner of what's it and he love. said like this is what these people did with the place that they live yeah this is what they're going to do to the whole world and social media has the reach to do this to the whole world and it, and it will end civilization and you know you if you if you've been paying attention you can see that's what was happening. You've got this whole woke gender craziness. You've got the whole like BLM and cultural appropriation. You can't say this and you can't do <laughs> this hairstyle and you can't yeah. fucking wear these shoes and whatever. Then you had all the whole COVID nonsense. Now you got all the climate change nonsense. Yeah. Then you had the, all the Ukraine nonsense. Now you've got all the Palestine nonsense. It's just like you just just getting like battered with one thing after another it's just it's crazy, conditions it? to like just come on check your feed check your feed what should you be outraged about today what's which side are you gonna pick this side you have to pick a side and you you know you've got to it's go and crazy, show people bro. and i think you know he's he saw that and he's hopefully is gonna allow twitter to just come back to being like huh, you say your thing i'll say my thing other people can kind of read them both They can go and talk to someone else and come back and make an opinion and whatever. And apparently, I just heard this morning that uh, they're they're trying to put a bill through, it's in the US Supreme Court at the moment, and then I think it goes to Congress, something like that, that social media companies are going to be not allowed to remove any post, Mm. nothing. Because I think people already realise, just literally after six months or 12 months of him having Twitter, like, this is really important. Yeah that there's open free debate and discussion and it's not controlled by anyone and you just go in there and say your piece and someone else says their piece and if you're wrong you're wrong and if they're right they're right and yeah. if there's consequences there's consequences you know you don't say shit you shouldn't have said you know yeah. there's 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 kind of that side as well so maybe maybe it will be maybe that is a turning point and that maybe that does lead us back in a, in a better direction but I I kind of feel at the moment we're at like peak stupidity. Yeah. Or close to it.
1: There is an, there is an appetite though that is growing that I am I don't know if it's there, there's like a sense where people are starting to call the bullshit I think. Yes. So I think now it, it's slowly shifting where the people that are going to be like still outraged it's it's going to it's going to wear wear down. The only thing that is terrifying is how quickly institutions became sort of well behaved and froze up and changed the sort of like and just sort of like made themselves absolute like bums just bums of like no strength no spine no sort of just like bending over to the wills of, of but, but you know what i think was for me what was
0: kind of so interesting about that was i think it, i think it's it's kind of emblematic of how little Talent there is Mm. at the top of most institutions. Crazy, isn't it? Because if you spent fucking twenty minutes talking to real people, you would realise that people that drink Budweiser don't want a dude who pretends (laughs) to be a woman as their as their like thing. You know, they're the whatever. But I just didn't even do 10 minutes of research. Yeah. They were like, we need to we need to get on board with this, we need to be right on with the kids and whatever and what without realizing that that's like 0.1% of the actual real people. Yeah. It's 70% of the noise that's amplified on social that's media because that's what they amplify. Yeah. But actually Look at the people that put their hand in their pocket, take out ten dollars and go and buy a six pack of your beer.
1: Yeah,
0: that's not them. And the thing that's that to me that's crazy is that I don't know if if Bud Light was the first one or it was just the most kind of high profile one, but what it was yeah, like recently yeah. go woke, go broke. Yeah, look, look use Bud Light as, a, as, a, as an example of what not to do. Yeah, and then what does everyone else do? They're like, we're going to do the same shit. Mm. You know, there's like another 10 companies that did the same kind of stupidity and their market cap just started dumping. Wow. It's, it's like, I, I don't even understand. Who's in charge?
1: Like, just a bunch of afraid people, man. It's, it's weasels. It's, weas- it's like slimy people. I think people that get to the position of power, they do it with... In, 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 slimy and weasley. This is what I've always uh, thought. Uh, And they're just... Uh, like, for example, just look at... Like, just look at... Like, the... I don't... I, I really couldn't give a fuck about politics. I think they're just mascots, really. But you look at them. They're scrawny little... Like, fucking look at those do, you know, <laughs> do you know what the worst? Do you know what the
0: worst is? If you go... I'll put a picture up. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, I'll put a picture up now. If you go and look at the health ministers... Yeah. ...of, like, I yeah. think UK, Canada, Belgium is you're going to think it's a uh, special effect. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. You, yeah, honestly. I can imagine, man. I can um, imagine. There's like six, seven of them and you just think like, oh my God. Yeah. Like these these people are going to die like really soon. They yeah. look that bad. And this this is the health minister. This is the one who's in charge of telling everyone else what they should be eating, how much exercise they should be doing. And I think that is, it, for me, that's just a very, um, you know, vivid example of what you find everywhere yeah people they say one thing they don't even do it themselves they yeah, don't yeah, even yeah. believe it he's just playing paying lip service to it and and just you know nattering away and and you know that that probably comes back to um you know that that authenticity of performance yeah is that it's it's quite rare you know, maybe in acting, it's, it's, it's not as rare. Because no, it's rare, bro.
1: It's so rare. It's so rare. It's,
0: it's probably more common than it is in um, city accountancy firms. Oh, yeah, probably. Because obviously, yeah. at least actors are sort of trying to go there. But it's crazy. These guys are like, it's, it's, I'm in the top office, exactly. bro. That's all I'm really bothered about.
1: If it's rare in acting, imagine somewhere where it's yeah, not even required in the job. This. It's yes. like, fucking hell, yeah, yes. you'd be lucky one in a thousand. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Exactly, and, and and I mean that's one of the things as well that um, I don't know whether you you find the same thing, but that that's one of the things I find with uh jujitsu that I that I I enjoy very much is the authenticity.
1: It's not rare. Yeah, that's no, it's not you, rare at all.
0: You can't fake it. No, if you roll with someone, like there's no room for bullshit.
1: Yeah. So because I,
0: you're going to try and get your hand in my uh, collar, right?
1: Either I kill you or break your arm,
0: or you kill me and break my arm. It's yeah. literally that. That's the language. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you know when you were talking about that that uh, Meisner exercise, I'm thinking that's that's almost a jiu-jitsu exercise. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Let's let's just sit down and then I try and put you on your back, or you try and put me on. Yeah. We kind of see not just who wins, but like how do you get there? Yeah. You know, I was talking to who was I talking to? Yeah, I think it was on that on that Spencer Hewitt podcast as well. You know, he was, he was talking about um, like not getting into fights in the street. And he was saying, you know, one of his rules is that never put your hands on someone because mm. you don't know how they're going to react. Everyone reacts differently. So for me, I might push you and I might think, oh, I'm pushing you and then you would push me back. But for you, you might be thinking if someone touches me, they're going to try and kill my whole family. Yeah. I'm going to just... To send this guy to the hospital. Um and, and I was saying, yeah, you know, it's it, it's on on a much more controlled level, it's kind of like that with jujitsu. You know, some people you roll with them and you can tell oh, he's had a bad day. Yeah. Or this guy really, you know, he hasn't forgiven me for foot looking yeah. like a month ago. You know yeah. some yeah, people yeah, they yeah. want to get you. But
1: it's true. It's a it's a real thing. Continued relationships with each individual partner. Yeah, every,
0: every, every there's 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 that kind of um different dynamic and you yeah. know you have the people that you like rolling with people that you you'll roll with but you don't really enjoy it yeah. Yeah. and
1: the ones that make you like they make your technique shit you go back to your bait like you just go yeah it's yeah. crazy and it's all teaching you something different
0: yeah and 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 i think i think that is you know i've covered this so many times but you know there's there's so many different um facets to jujitsu to jujitsu that that i think are kind of positive for for people but in the context of this conversation I think that's um that's a, a really good one because it does it does kind of strip away all the bullshit. Yeah. Like you've got no excuses when you come out. No. You just like I weren't good enough or I or I was good enough. Or, you know, I just keep fucking making that same mistake. Or I just, you know, my this grip is just useless, or you know, whatever it is, and then you just have to go. Well, that's like down to me, right? Yeah, I got to go and fix that shit. Exactly, Because yeah. I can go to seminars, classes, I can buy the DVDs, I can drill whatever I want, and then I'm going to roll with the same guy, and he's going to get me in the same sweep, and then he's going to get me in the same submission. And what, what, what can I really say? He's exactly. better than me, yeah. right? He just beats me every time. And and you know that I think that does kind of teach you to. Um, To deal with failure, if you even would see it as failure, but to maybe maybe to it teaches you to deal with like negative outcomes. I wouldn't call them
1: failures. It's the most. It is. It's the most negative outcome. It's like if this was if this was a real fight, I would have died. Yeah, that you would have like you you got me, and and to to do that as as a, a living being. Play with another living being to the point of like, you would like oxygen stop going into your brain and they let go and you just do it again. Yeah, There's something so deep that you're learning. And it's like, and I think like people, if it was my, it was up to me, people that are prime ministers or like leaders, they have have to be a black belt minimum, maybe a brown belt if it's too hot. And twelve, like one year, where you do a DMT trip every month, and then we can start weeding out all the, like because, like that's what used. I think it used to be like when it was more tribal and smaller scale. For sure, it was right? the People that excelled Wrestling in those aspects. And
0: psychedelics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy that was the best wrestler. <laughs> no, it was the ones and that didn't lose it was the chief. <laughs> was the chief basically? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're 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 exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is this is the this is the problem. You know, is that. People get themselves into positions where they are, they feel powerful. Yeah, but they're not. You're not. They're not. You know that 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 sort of true power is comes from like to going through the the mill. You know, it's like with with. I mean, probably most people that listen to this are jujitsu people anyway. But it's like anyone that you go on the mat with who's a, a black belt. They just got that kind of grittiness to them. Yeah. Like, even if you catch them with something or whatever, they're just like, that's all right, bro, I'm going to get you. Like, right. I'm going to get you. Like, there's no, there's no, oh, fuck, got tapped by a purple belt. It's like, yeah, you got lucky, man, don't worry, I'm, that belt repre- I'm coming for
1: you. That rep- belt represents I came back. Yeah, I just came back again and again and again, again and again until I got a black belt around. Me. That, that's literally all it is, and I think that's it, it's a metaphor for ev- every aspect of life. Any, you just come back, and then I think for most people, because they never reach that point of failure, es- especially to that extent where it's just it's mortal. It, 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 if it's yeah. your it's your mortal being that's at at, at stake. Failure becomes something that's terrifying. So 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 like to the point where having a conversation with someone, they they endow that with either a success or failure. Whereas actually, the reality is, and you just dis, you discover that dementia, that that, that complete that four D like aspect of life when you're on psychedelics, where you go, there isn't any. Like we made these angles, we made these sort of like. And Alan Watts, he says it in his first hour of uh, is like an like a collection of his um, a collection of his. Uh, is what do you do when your professor uh, lectures. lectures? Yeah, his, in his first hour of his lecture, is that l- we're wiggly. Everything is wiggly and wobbly. And the same with, with life. And the, 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 the mere concept of success and failure are concepts that are constructed. And for some reason, humans like dichotomies. We like, Either one way or the other, but if you live in that, if success, like for example, I'm going to do the English Opens in two in two weeks, and I, I, I because I dislocated my shoulder, and I was like, I'm just going to come back and be the guy that just in the gym, and then I was like, fuck it, I want to do it, and it's terrifying, but I'm at a point now where I've accepted, where the person that yields the martial art the best will win. That's what a competition is. It's a display of who can show it in a heightened circumstance. That, that this technique works And I will, I will yield it to my best And part of that And I think part of reaching the pinnacle Is the lack of fear of Lack of fear of failure Because it doesn't exist As long as you live and you breathe And you're able to have dinner with your family Like if I, if I, if I lose my first round And I, it's like I'm not even on that podium I'll, I'll get a fucking five guys with my girlfriend And just like sit and enjoy and, 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 and yeah it would be nicer if I won But I think that, that sort of the the way of because in that fear of failure grows a hunger to conquer and I remember one of the trips that I had I was it was revealed to me in a geometric form and I was I took quite a lot and I, uh, of mushrooms and it revealed to me in its geometric form the obsession with conquering and as a young man conquering and it's just, it was just an enveloping infinite just And I was going, that's that strain. And then I released. And then it just came lighter. I was like, whoa. And then it came back. And I I was like, what the fuck is that? What is that? And I was able to laugh at it and go, that's so... That thing... Is is what I think leads to the the, the worst aspects of being human. Why priests, the sort of, I don't know, just fear controlling people coming afraid, I have sinned, da 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 da. And they get to the point where I'm conquering all these spirits. Fuck this kid, I'm gonna touch it. Like, they they do what? Like, that's the darkest side. It's just, it's that. But that grows out of fear, the fear of failure. And then you, you think to the, to the pinnacles of society, where they like they don't do martial arts, they don't do any sort of like, engagement with their body. It's all this spiritual. There's like the physical self, and and if you're lucky, you're in harmony. The spiritual, the spirit is in harmony with the body. But I think people grow in their imagination. Like I think the destruction of our society is that we're not in this tribal setting where we're engaging with our bodies. We need to hunt. We're in relation to the earth, and our bodies are in harmony with it. We are all secluded. For example, one street is no longer connected by a shared values and culture. Every bedroom in a household, in the same family that share the same blood are in their bedrooms consuming completely different things with completely different algorithms. And they live in their own worlds. And we're just living in just... No one knows how to dance anymore. No one's dancing with each other. And it's completely... But you get places like jujitsu where it's... it's As you said, it, who, like... No one knows really who what anyone does. Like unless you have a conversation, who I don't know who you are. I don't know who the fuck I like. Who you don't know who I am. It's completely anonymous. And then you're learning something so valuable about humans. It's like what are we? We're not labels. We are not labels. We are not where we're from. Where from carries like a lineage of experiences and and shit, passed down trauma and stuff like that. But that only um, comes to fruition in behaviors that you. Accept and 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 take on, and the labels that we take on. Like for example, you decided to wear an orange hoodie. I decided to wear a purple t-shirt, and I I wanted to wear a grey tracksuit bottom, but I didn't. I didn't have. It was like I needed to wash it, so I wore, wore a black one. But your relationship to my black tracksuit bottom will influence what you think of me, and then all those micro decisions that form who we are. And you just got to be aware of that. See the humor of it, and just completely just be. And then art is the showcase of it. And then a martial art is showcasing that in the most extreme form where you're going, I'm engaging in mortal, like this is mortal combat. Like this is like, but we're finding, I think I'm the best when I'm rolling with someone that I enjoy rolling with. And there's love in there. And so the application of the absence of fear and relation, I hope I can take that into my jiu-jitsu competition. Endow my, my opponents would love. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Ibi said when he
0: was on, which which really stuck with me, because he's obviously his, his original background was Thai boxing, you know, striking yeah. arts. And um, he said, like, the striking arts are very selfish. Yeah. You're hitting pads, you're yeah. hitting another person, you're hitting a bag, whatever. It's the true. grappling arts are very generous. They're very selfless, because you can't do it on your own. No. And the more you give to your partner the better the role they're going to have and then the more they can give back to you because they're having a good role and then the better role you can have. Yeah, And, you know, that that, that really kind of stuck with me as a, as a um, you know, a, a concept to keep in mind is that you you are kind of there to serve the other person. Yeah. And then the people that you like rolling with are the people who get that. Yeah. Like you can have a fucking war with them, but exactly. it's a war of giving. Give. like i'm gonna give you more than you can give me and yeah. they're like no bro i'm gonna give you more and then you end up having like these crazy wars but you can feel the 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 love right you can exactly. feel the the, the the high vibration at the end of it of like you know it's it's obviously sounds a bit weird to say like it's kind of like sex but it's like
1: what well, was it. that was that <laughs> that was really good right yeah. And like yeah that was really yeah. good
0: it's like yeah man that was that was good yeah. And, and you know, it does it is it is such a sort of um a fundamental thing. I mean, this this is something that I've that I've said many times. You get two five year olds, three year olds, ten year olds, whatever, put them in a room, tell them with no gadgets, and tell them right, you know, we'll be back in ten minutes, look through the keyhole after 30 seconds, they're gonna be fighting. Yeah. They're gonna be wrestling, they're gonna be doing basically jujitsu without knowing what it is. We got we've got two cats at home, two male cats. They they roll. Yeah. They roll one of them goes down and plays God one of them goes on top jumps tries to pass the god, they get up they run off they do it again you know it's just like a natural kind of behavior and yeah. it's, 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 it's in that sense especially for like older people I mean you're still at the stage where you're you got like one foot in the child world and one foot in the adult yeah. world Yeah. whereas when you get like older older you know my most of my peers now well not most but some of my peers now you know the conversation will start to be like what medication did they just start taking what did they just get diagnosed with like, yeah. something like that kind of age whereas i'm like i want to hang around with like the 16 year olds yeah. and see if i can still knee up past them yeah, yeah and yeah. then if i can get my elbow right in
1: their neck and make them tap and then, then you're sp- like a kid again, yeah, exactly. right? In your spirit, will age it won't be in that. Those people are making each other sick. Yes, exactly. They're making each other yeah, sick. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and you know, the, the, there's 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 a real a real like good energy that you get from a from a jujitsu class. You know, it's a tangible thing. It's like yeah. a, it's like a you know for, uh, to use like a gaming analogy. You know, it's like when you get like the med pack. Even oh, yeah. though physically I feel fucked afterwards, but yeah. it's like your, your, your energy of your body gets that mid pack of like, like after an hour, hour and a half session, like you get home and you're like, I'm buzzing, yeah. man. You know, my hands are warm, my feet are warm. Like I'm going to, and, and another thing as well, like as you get older, which, you know, I don't know whether you, you know, you're probably still too young to really, to feel this, but you don't really enjoy your food so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like your taste buds kind of dropped off a bit. Yeah. You've eaten everything a hundred <laughs> times. Nothing, yeah. There's nothing really new I'm to me. now,
1: to be honest, yeah, after shooting, It gets students, much worse.
0: <laughs> but after you train and you're hungry and yeah. you've put like everything out there, that meal that you eat is like, I Absolutely. earned this. It's like I killed the tiger. Like, exactly. I got it on my plate. Like, yeah. Now I'm going to eat it. I mean, it's, there's there's nothing better. In fact, one of my, probably the, the, um, the best meal that I ever ate, I think I've told this story before. So I was, um, it was like a work thing, and um, we went to Austria for a work, I don't even know what it was, bonding thing. And... Um, we were, we were in Austria in the mountains in the winter and it was near where the, I think they had like the Olympic skiing and all of that stuff. And we had this guy who was like our guide who took us on this little walk through the snow and he was an ex-Olympic skier. So obviously he's, he's always been there in the mountains. He's just, that's his, his thing, right? He took us walking for, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was like between eight and 10 hours. Mm. And he just kept saying, oh, like a li- little bit further, we just got to like go past this thing. Like, and I'm with like a bunch of, i was younger i was probably early 20s yeah. but I'm, I'm sort of early 20s up to maybe 60 year old sitting at a desk you know da, 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 these kind of people. So people were like dying <laughs> dying on yeah. their asses Imagine. like oh, i can't walk anymore it's like oh just a little bit more a little bit more it's about 30 of us and he took us on this walk up and down and up and down around here and there and there and then so we started at like I don't know, like nine o'clock in the morning, it's like fucking six in the evening. We're still walking. In anyway, he takes us to this place. It's this little kind of um, restaurant chalet thing on top of this kind of not quite a mountain, but you know, it felt like it by the time we walked up there. No menu, no nothing. They do like those big beers, liter of beer. They it's, they make their own beer, so it's like fresh beer and this um, cast iron skillet Mm. with, like, potatoes, onions, cured meats, and then they crack a couple of eggs in the top and just put it in the fire. And you just get this metal dish with, like, just just meat, potatoes, and eggs, and you've got this ice-cold massive bit. It's it's the best meal I've ever had. There's nothing else has been even close. Just through being so hungry and so tired... And just like that first beer and that first mouthful. And then literally, you know, we were like, how the fuck are we going to get home? And he's like, oh, the hotel's there. He's just been taking us like... Because yeah. he was like, someone might actually die, right? Yeah, so we yeah, need to yeah. stay close to the hotel. So he'd just been taking us a mile that way, wow. mile that way, mile here. But just going around in circles and then up this thing. And he said, like, look out the back windows. Look out. Oh, yeah, there's the, there's the hotel. Lovely. Down the hill, and go back. But I mean, it's, it, you know... Earning that earning that reward, earning that, yeah. that that meal, that food. you know a bit like again coming back to, to movies and performance and stories and stuff is like people don't want to earn their reward anymore. yeah you know like like um, probably maybe maybe one of the best um, examples. In, in fact I, th- I think probably who who's, who's the best one who did it was Steven Spielberg but like with Jaws and with Jurassic Park, you know, you don't really see the monster till like halfway through the film. Yeah. I mean, Jaws, you don't see it properly until the end. You, you see a little, little bit, a little bit, a little tooth, for a little, the fin comes out of the wall, but you're still waiting to see the shark. And, mm. you know, even with Jurassic Park, it's like you see just an eye at the beginning, so you know, okay, there's something. And then when they get to the island, you see the... The, the big dinosaur that kind of eats the leaves and you're like, oh my, amazing them.
1: Yeah.
0: I remember seeing that in the cinema and I, was, I went and saw it on my own and I, and I didn't even know what it was about and I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, they made dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's not until the T-Rex, which is like, what, an hour and 20 yeah. in when they're at night and it comes out. Fair and man. even then, you got to wait a, a minute and a half. You know something's going to happen because the cars break down. And then... You hear something in the trees, and mm. then there's that fucking goat, and then there's no goat, and then you're like, "Something's coming," yeah. you know. But it's so much more because you have gotta earn it. You have gotta invest in oh, shit. What's happening? What's What's it gonna look like? I said, "What color is it gonna be?" You know, it's gonna have big hands, little hands, you know. And and we just we don't we don't really back to this kind of attention span thing, yeah. We, people just don't kind of invest in that stuff anymore. They just want like the, you know, like these podcasts, right? They're like two hours long, hour, say an hour and a half to two and a half hours long. And like a, a, a really good one will be maybe 2,000 people will, will watch it and listen to it. And a, and a not good one will be like 50 people or 100 mm. people because people are like, bro, it's two hours. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, but this, I want to have, Proper conversations. Yeah. I don't want to make, like, reels and shorts no. and little, you know, five-second little jazzy, funny things where I go out of my car and then I dance and fall over. Like, yeah. That, that doesn't – what does that do? That just stops you from investing your time in, in anything. We did a, we did an episode the other week, I uh, one I just released last week, about Bitcoin. I don't know if you're a crypto Bitcoin person. No, not much. No. But about um, that Bitcoin – like digital gold as a form of money, it, it has a very uh, high time preference in, in so far as it f- it, you're doing something now so that you have better options in the future. Mm. And, you know, the analogy that I was making is that Bitcoin is the jujitsu of money. Mm. there's the uh uh, bitcoin yeah bitcoin is a jujitsu money there's there's a lot of similarities conceptually between them in terms of jujitsu exactly the same it's a very high time preference even though there's things along the way that you enjoy it's hard it's hard you get beaten up over and over and over and over again you get injured you you know you times when you don't want to train you this and that and the other and then you just got to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and, and it's not even for me like getting a black belt i think when you when you go like from white to blue belt it's awesome like it's, it's yeah. a blue belt but but i'm on my purple belt now and like i've, I've said this a number of times like, i don't give a shit anymore about getting a brown belt or a black yeah. belt i would like to have the experience and the skills and the mat time of being a black belt like that I've just kept going and yeah. learning and getting better and refining and practicing and figuring out problems and solving riddles and learning my body to do things I don't even know what it's doing and that I want but the belt becomes like it's not really a thing yeah. it's just you turn up on the mat and you and you go and train and and again you know hopefully jujitsu people in that sense are, are like high time preference people who will sit and watch a two-hour movie a three hour movie mm-hmm. listen to a podcast because they understand on a, on a fundamental level like that's how you grow by investing time and energy and effort into doing something that's not instant gratification and you got to work for it but man it tastes better yeah. afterwards I mean that's you know that's 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 the 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 power in in that sense of jujitsu, you know, apart from the dealing with difficult situations and going again, you know, it just teaches you just be consistent, like yeah. just you got to, you just got to go and go and go and go and go. You know, we, we even on that episode, you know, I, I, I kind of um, one of the one of the things, one of the kind of concepts with sound money is like, or, or even with 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 like good assets. Is like how long should you hold them for? Forever. Yeah. Like if you have if you have a Picasso painting, you the the, the how long should I hold it time is hold it forever. Mm. What, are you gonna, what are you gonna swap it for? Maybe you swap it for another Picasso, yeah. but you're gonna swap it for some shit that you is less, less than that thing. You know, and and, and um, Smith, who was on, you know, he was saying like when when would you sell Bitcoin? And I'm like, it's the same, like when would I stop doing jujitsu? Like mm. when I can't do it anymore. Otherwise, like there's no time I'm going to stop it. I'm not going to be like, oh, I've got first degree black belt, I'm not going to train anymore. It's like, no, the yeah. day when I'm like, no, I can't get out of bed anymore, I can't walk, my back's gone, and I can't train, I don't train anymore. Yeah. But but until then, you just keep going.
1: Yeah, I've never, I've never doubled in, because I've never just had the, enough money well, apparently you can start with like little money of like investing in assets, and I mean with and stuff
0: with, like. with Bitcoin particularly, with with cryptocurrencies. With Bitcoin particularly, I mean you can buy a pound, you can buy a pound, you can buy yeah. five pounds, you can buy twenty pounds. But there's a, there's a guy. I'll send you. I'll send you some links, and I'll post the link up here if you're watching on YouTube. I put it in the show notes. There's a guy called Michael Saylor, who um, he's the CEO of a company called MicroStrategy. He's the longest standing CEO in the NASDAQ. So he's been the CEO of MicroStrategy, which has been a NASDAQ company for 23 years. He's the longest serving. What's Nasda- the NASDAQ? The um, tech stock, I think it's the top 100 tech stocks in the US. Okay. So he's one of the top 100 tech companies and he's the longest serving CEO within the NASDAQ. And he was a, was a like Bitcoin is bullshit guy for a yeah. long time. And then he got kind of reintroduced to it, I think, in 2020, and he he kind of realised this is something that's important. And he he's one of the best people to listen to about kind of the how powerful it is and economics and macro stuff, but in a in a really interesting way. And um, he was I was just again listening to something this morning, and he was saying that if you kind of understand where the value is going over the long term. So he's a he's a person who says the best time frame for holding, you know, value is forever. Like you never sell it. You give it to your kids, they give it to their kids. Mm. I mean, this is how intergenerational intergener- wealth happens, yeah. right? You buy property in Belgravia in the 1700s. Yeah. You give it to your kids, they give it to their kids. Now these kids are trillionaires, right? Yeah. Because why? You didn't sell it for Oh, loads of beer and a couple of cool holidays and he's saying he says you know this is this is kind of the time when you have the most reward in Bitcoin with the least amount of risk because it's been there now long enough that it's proven it ain't going anywhere but the institutions and the older people have still not understood what it is yet so all the yeah. money is still sitting on the sidelines and he said you know if you look at the at the 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 mathematics and the mechanics of it in 30 years time bitcoin at the moment's at thirty-seven thousand dollars for a bitcoin he says it's probably 10 to 15 million dollars a coin over the next 30 to 50 years and he says if you if you look at it like this the guy working at mcdonald's who's getting paid ten dollars an hour if he buys bitcoin now what he will realise in ten or twenty years' time is that he was actually earning a thousand dollars an hour. Wow!
1: Yeah, he was just
0: sense. saving it in the correct format. Wow! So, and this is this is uh, you can listen to the the episode we done uh, last week on Bitcoin. But I send you some other stuff to yeah, listen to, no. and you know, if anybody else is interested, l- listen to the the links. Um, you know, you 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 have. Again, like this, this you know, this was my kind of analogy to to jujitsu. You have this thing which is not easy to understand. Bitcoin is Bitcoin will take you three to six months of deep study before you go. I get it. Yeah. It's one of those things where you go. Oh, I think I understand it. No, that's bullshit. Oh, but what about this? Oh, I don't really get that. But how does that work? Oh, I think, you, know. you you go you go like. Five ten times through, I get it. I don't get it. I get it. I don't get it. Same as jujitsu, right? Yeah. You yeah, once yeah. you discover underhooks, you are like,
1: yeah,
0: oh, <laughs> underhooks. But then you are like, ah. Oh. But then the counter for underhook is overhook.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you are like, oh shit! I thought that I was f- fucking up because I was never getting underhooks, yeah. but now I get underhooks. The guy just gets an overhook and he does a counter to the underhook. Yeah. It's like, oh shit! I don't get it again. And it, and it's the same thing, you know. It takes it takes a real investment in kind of intellectual thought to to understand it but when you understand it you you kind of understand like there's like this superior technology that you can be involved in if you can be bothered Yeah. And like if you don't, then go do your whatever. Watch Netflix or do like a few Aikido classes and then you don't turn up and then you do and then you don't. Like that's that's the equivalent of just having pounds and spending money on holidays and da 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 da. It's like, yeah, do that. Do that. You'll never really get the skills. You'll never really have that thing which people go, Wow, this guy's got a black belt. This guy's got a brown belt in jiu-jitsu.
1: But isn't the scary thing with Bitcoin is that previously assets were based on uh, real life asset, like things that applied to the actual living being in physical space. And is it like it, when you're sort of investing your, in Bitcoin, you're sort of betting on the digital world being the future?
0: Yes. So, so the the the, the that that is exactly. Um, conceptually the correct kind of analysis and and it's a good question and so on a on a sort of um, like a recent history basis you can see again you're you're a little bit young to remember before the internet because the internet really blew up like Two thousand.
1: I think I was literally like I was seeing the world change. Yeah, like yeah. Well, yeah. I,
0: I had twenty years with there was no
1: internet. Yeah, crazy. You know,
0: when I was at school, college, university, go, going on going on holiday, going on holiday once a week, go to the public phone box with my friends, get like two you know, separate uh, pound coins, tell like say to my parents on a Saturday at eight o'clock I'm going to ring you. It'll be nine o'clock your time, eight o'clock. Put your two pounds, ring them. Yeah, we're all right. Everything's fine. Mad. That was communication. Like there was, that was nothing else. Yeah. And and so I've gone from a completely analog. You know, you go to the library. You need to get this book for your homework. Someone rented the book out. When are they bringing it back? Well, they're bringing it back Wednesday, but there's six other people want the book, so you can have it in a month and a half. So what am I supposed to do? Mm. Well, you just fail. Mad. This is, that's it. You want to go somewhere? You get the atlas go through, you find them and go from here to here. You start writing on a piece of paper. Take the A31 here, then there's four turnings, but this one doesn't really look like a turning. After that one, do a right. Uh, that's how you got places. And so if you look at things like maps is a good example and uh, search is a good example, right? You take maps, it used to be an atlas. And you take search, it used to be the yellow pages and the phone book or the back of an exchange of Mark magazine or whatever. And those businesses were globally were probably worth 100 million pound, 50 million pound or whatever. And then Google came and turned search from 100 million pounds into 100 billion pounds. And Maps turned the Atlas from 25 million pounds into 100 billion pounds and so the the digitization of physical stuff generally increases its value by a thousandfold or a hundred thousandfold so another another good example is music lps tapes records cd's yeah apple was apple got bailed out i think twice by microsoft they went bankrupt twice and bill gates was like here's some money apple's a cool little company have some yeah. money And then what they make? iPod. Digital music. And they fucking exploded. They went up, the share price went up a thousand times because they took physical music and they digitized it. So, this kind of idea of you take a physical thing and you make it virtual and then it's not real anymore, this is the the wrong way around that you should look at things. Unless we get aliens thermal nuclear war, yeah, then the digital ain't going away. Yeah. Okay, you either we either go mad max slash dinosaurs, which let me let me let me put another one out there, people. Dinosaurs weren't real. Yeah. But oh shit. But, but, <laughs> shit. that's heavy. Yeah. But but we go mad max dinosaurs yeah. or we don't. Yeah. And if we don't, everything's gonna get digitalized. So that's actually a good thing. digitising money is a great thing. Why? Because it removes all the shit that's happened over the last hundred years. You know, why is there so much credit card fraud? Mm. Because the money we use in the banking system, the credit card system is not designed for the internet. It's designed for going to Woolworths and buying pick and mix and a CD. Yeah,
1: It's
0: not not designed that you just go and tap your number and wish. No, that's why there's so much fraud because it wasn't made for that. So, so this, this is the kind of the, the modern example, right, of, of, of digitising businesses that 20 years ago were analogue and now they're digital and they, they've gone up massively in value. But the, the longer timeframe example, which I talked about in this other episode, which I stole from Michael Saylor, is um, sea power and ships. So ships and sea power was what determined who runs the world for mm-hmm. the last... How how long does history go? 5,000 years. The last 5,000 years, who had the best ships? That's the boss. Because you can carry more soldiers, more food, more weapons further away and go and fuck more people up and then you're the king. Yeah, That's what it was, right? Up until, I don't know, the beginning of the 1900s, end of the 1800s, wooden ships. Who makes the best wooden ship? is the king of earth. And then someone made steel and they were like,
1: hmm, Saying
0: I wonder if we can make a ship out of steel.
1: Yeah.
0: And then guess what? Guess what happened to wooden ships?
1: You're Nothing. Yeah. Gone, right? Yeah.
0: Finito. And as Michael Saylor says, do you think we're going back to wooden ships? No. We're not. Unless we go Mad Max world and it's easier to make a wooden boat again than it is to make a steel boat... Are we going back to wooden boats? We're not. And we actually very quickly went from steel ships to air power. Sea power went to air power in 30 years and now it's who's got the best air force fucks everyone up. And now it's probably just who's got the best intercontinental missiles fucks everyone up. We're not going back to wooden boats. So you can have something which is the dominant technology for 5,000 years. But once it goes, it goes. Once you... You, see, this is the thing with, with uh, Bitcoin, that on a, on a, on a deeper level, on a, on a kind of a esoteric level, that people will talk about that. Bitcoin was discovered. It wasn't made. It was the maths and the way to do it was always there in the universe. We just discovered something. Mm. The same like we discovered fire. We didn't make fire. Fire. The physics of fire is always the physics of fire. We just discovered it. Yeah. We discovered the wheel. Once you made the wheel, that's the wheel. You, yeah. you can't make a better wheel. A better wheel is just a better wheel. There isn't anything better than a wheel because the wheel is perfect.
1: Yeah, no, Joe Rogan talks about that all the time. The evolution of technology is actually it's an evolution of we're just like... Um, facilitating the evolution something that is beyond us yes
0: exactly it's it's, it's, it's kind of the universal energy right and it just you know universe wants novelty and universe you know again it depends on your on your sort of um, religious philosophical theosophical beliefs but God universe whatever is fucking bored yeah by the nature of God God is bored because God knows everything because God made everything because God is everything, because God has exists outside time. You know, whatever. So God's like, I'm bored, bro. Let me make the universe. And then let me make shit happen in there. And I'll make it in such a way that I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And then let's see what, what see happens. What goes, yeah. So yeah, we're absolutely we're like discovering things. Yeah. And so again, you know, like people will say, Oh yeah, Bitcoin was made by DARPA, CIA, this and that. It's just maths.
1: It's, made it, yeah, it's but...
0: just maths. It was discovered. The encryption was discovered. The way to make it work was discovered. The way to make people get excited about it was discovered. I mean, that's a function of human nature. People interested in something that goes up in value, that becomes more scarce, that is, can't be stopped. I can send it. No one can tell me not. Like, This appeals to people. Like mm. it's, a, it's a discovery. So, you know, it's it's um, yeah. I don't even know where I started from. It's a high time preference thing, like jujitsu and like yeah. how proper films should be. I think that's where yeah. I started from.
1: <laughs> it's interesting though, isn't it? Because um, you know, it's one example of something completely shifting. For exa- like, you know, it used to be the what the value of gold, like this metal that was like shiny. Just the I was listening to it. <laughs> just the fact that it was shiny. It became the sort of the the the, the, the the like the, the leading thing that, effect, that led to wars and and all these things and what we attach our imaginations to um, and then it just makes you think for example that because it's it's to do with economics and the, the sort of exchange of currency and value and all of this and, and, and I was listening to a debate yesterday on like is 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 um, is money inherently a good life force or like a dark, bad force? And then I, I, I err on the side of it just being just a, it, and because I felt it um, on, on psychedelics when I was renting a property and I was living with my girlfriend. I was on the floor and I saw the front door and I was like, I'm terrified of going outside. And I was like, but this is our house. But it's not a house. Wait. And then I was like, there was this visceral relationship with, oh, what? what? Not th- there's an agreement that in front of this front door, this is where I can be and no one can come in. And I was like, this is all thought out. And then I was just this immense appreciation for the genius mind. And it really is that it's harboring the power of God, these ideas that sort of, we just go, yeah, and it just makes sense. And it's, it's so fundamentally like, powerful and then of course it grows and, and it grows mouldy in certain aspects and people exploit it in certain way but it's inherently a beautiful way of making sure that the way that people own land and space isn't by brute force
0: yeah I mean that, that's the, I, I listened to um, there's a there's a um, you can only put five links so if I haven't put five links yet I'll put another link yeah. up there. um, there's a guy called Robert Breedlove yeah. who who read I, I've talked about this on the on the podcast there's a there's a book called by Anne Rand called Atlas Shrugged, which I haven't read. Apparently, it's an amazing book. I'm not a great book reader. Um, and there's a speech in there about the love of money, and he he's a Bitcoin guy, and he read it. He just read from this book, and um, I was I, I normally get up early in the morning so I can do like a little bit of breathing. Sometimes I do my hill runs, whatever. But it's dark at the moment, so it's a bit kind of oh, magical. Yeah. And I don't put the lights on. And um, so I did I did my breathing, I'd done my hill runs, whatever. I was sitting down, I had a cup of tea and I put the laptop open and this popped up on my YouTube and I was like, oh, cool, Robert Reed, love, I, love, uh, I like this guy. And I, and I was like, oh, Atlas Shrugged, like I've heard of this book but I never read it. Let me, let me become more intelligent this morning. And it's basically the speeches about the love of money and I was like, of course the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And then I listened yeah. to this. I listened to it three times. I was late for work that day, a little bit late for work. So I listened to it and I listened to it again and I listened to it again. I was like, "This is so powerful." And basically, what he says is exactly that. He's like, "If we don't transact with money, we transact with violence." Yeah. So, yeah. you you pick the one you want. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, capitalism and all that stuff. It, it it can be corrupted like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah but it's a better way of doing things than we just fight to the death and then whoever's alive picks up the gold and takes it exactly. home. Exactly. Because that's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and, it's, it's very interesting. But, but just, to, just to finish of off a, a, little, a little point on that, what you said about gold. So just coming back to what I said at the beginning and gold, you know, obviously, gold is like the fundamental underpinning of financial power. Which is crazy. Countries have gold. Yeah, but... Crazy, what is the digitization of gold?
1: Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, this is the kind of big picture, the 50,000-foot view is like, okay, gold is wooden ships for the last 5,000 years. Yeah. If you're the king, if you're the boss, if you're the head of the Mongols, you're the guy with the gold. Yeah. And once you ain't got no gold, you're nobody. But if you digitize gold, A, you go from wooden ships to air power, so it's better because i mean gold gold actually although for for all the great qualities that it has it's there's not a finite supply and there's not a predictable supply because as the price goes up we can get more of it because it's you can invest more to find the harder to find stuff right so there's gold in seawater there's something like 50 trillion tons of gold in seawater but it costs you £100,000 an ounce to get it. Yeah. So if gold goes to £105,000 an ounce, you just start taking it out of the sea. Yeah. Then the value goes down. So you've got this kind of problem of yeah. it's not a scarce. It's only it's only scarce down to how good your technology I mean, is.
1: It's scarce when we were literally riding horseback, like riding on horseback less than 200 years yeah, ago. But then course. you
0: find the easy gold, right? It's yeah. near the surface. Then you able to dig mines. Then you find a bit harder... To, to get gold and then you can dig better mines and but but the supply is actually a little bit hmm, we don't really know yeah but when you digitize it and you have an emissions schedule that is x amount of bitcoin every 10 minutes and it's cut in half every four years and you can say exactly how many bitcoin are going to be produced every day for the next 200 years you have a like a perfection of that gold mining process so it's, it's like it does everything that gold does, but better.
1: I mean, the the, 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 the mere fact that gold this shiny rock that people say, all right, it, we, we agree on this to be the sort of the, the, the thing that determines. Value. Well, the,
0: the thing is with money, right? Money has, I, I, I did them for the other podcast, but I think it has, has to have six properties for, for good money, right? So it has to be durable, it has to be rare, it has to be fungible, so every piece is the same. Yeah. It has to be divisible, so you don't just have a gold bar, but you could have gold coins or gold grains or, you know, yeah. you can put it down. It has to be transportable and it has to be acceptable. So people will actually trade with it yeah. and you can kind of move it around. And pretty much on all counts now, Bitcoin's better.
1: Other than the acceptable.
0: Well, you can't, what can you buy with gold? Try and go to Starbucks with a gold coin. See what you get. Yeah, you I get, get nothing. Yeah. You can you can convert it, in Barnet. There's a gold yeah. dealer. No problem. But you can go on your phone and convert Bitcoin into dollars, pounds, whatever, in Revolut in one second without no. getting off your. It off. takes the power from the
1: central banking system as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So so yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Bitcoin believer.
1: Sorry, my digestive system is making noises. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. So I had if you st- if you hear
0: if you hear any funny noises on the microphone, it's not me. It's not. No, it's not it's, me this it, time. It, it's shared.
1: It's shared. <laughs> it's, that, it's not just me. <laughs> it's a shared experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So, that's so interesting.
0: So, um, what's next on that on the acting side?
1: So I think right now I'm I'm in this weird position where I've still I've still got a little bit of money left from the job that I've just done that. Um, with the BBC. So that's just keeping me afloat. Um, And I bought all my toys, like the bike and I bought um, a camera and stuff like that. So I've got, I've got quite decent kit to be creative um, in my own right. Um, I've got soft, I've got the software um, and I've got a camera, I've got a microphone uh, and I'm doing, I'm just doing the tapes and I'm just sort of applying, sort of cashing in on my investment of time um, into acting um, as much as I can, sort of doing all the auditions I can do, and hopefully, like letting that be both you know, continue my exploration and growth as an actor, but also receive an income for it, which I've just started doing, um, and hopefully, make just a basic living off of. Um, but in the meantime, literally today, before coming here, I, I I've just had this. Uh, I I sort of gave myself some time to because you know the cost. The investment of time, you know, it, it wasn't. I didn't get to this lovey-dovey place initially. It started with a terrified sixteen-year-old boy being the first of my family to navigate this system, um, and so the, the 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 sort of things I sacrificed to to be able to focus on that, on relationships with with my family, sort of cutting like sort of cutting energetically off from them, and sort of being this sort of lone spirit uh, that that really took a toll on me and i was reaping and and f- because you know luckily there is and it's something like drama school which is an attainable goal that you don't need some nepotistic sort of way of getting into it it's just it's there you apply for it every year and there was a real fear in, initially of like not being able to be good enough to get it so i was like i'm not going to do that i'm not going to not be good enough to get that so I just I went full out, and I was lucky enough to get into multiple drama schools, which is fucking insane because it's like it's like uh, thousands of people apply, and there's thirty people in each uh, in each course. And in my year, there was only fourteen people in my year because of COVID. Um, so like that was a, ga- a gamble that I did, and I, I put everything into that, and it paid off. But the cost was was you know with economics. The cost was. It made life, yeah, I succeeded in this artificial thing of getting it, but I'm not happy. I'm alone, I'm alone. I, and, and so I, I, I've, I've, I've not only just sort of, and part of the beauty of this work, and I'm so happy I went, is that the success and the, the, the ability for other people to vibrate with what you do in a performance has a lot to do with what you do in your life. How do you invest in yourself as a spirit? and i've been going jujitsu that's been my full-time thing doing that three times four times a week now um to just engage with the community get that sort of earn life a little bit artificially but it feels it does, it does your body doesn't distinguish between artificial yeah. or or genuine and um spending time with uh, i've moved back home and sort of like moved back home i've living with my girlfriend luckily for the last three years and that was beautiful beautiful relationship and i see her when i can and um but I've moved back home, just sort of been in my own space and I want to create films. I've dabbled with it uh, before. I've got a channel that I've released skits onto and I I, I record like the other, I I was like, want to record a podcast, but then it didn't feel right. So I just like put on my camera and then started speaking and then everything started rhyming. So I just like, let me just continue that. And then sort of like, I want the YouTube channel to be like a scrapbook of just... What's the YouTube? uh, Just my name, Rawid. Um, like because it's an obscure name I can just, just first do, name with, yeah just my first name oh, no. alright so I'll put a link for that in the show <laughs> oh, notes oh I appreciate that man and so yeah that that's that sort of like I want to for me it's the acting is is great and it's fun um, and I want, it, I want to do it and it's it's but, it, but there's things about it that are difficult for me as a spirit um, for example travelling away from home being stripped away from your routine and stuff like that so you have to live a very nomadic life or a life that's very not too embedded or deeply uh, rooted in routine because it takes you in different places. But in the meantime, while I'm waiting for that, I'm, I'm sort of making myself not rooted enough where that is impossible. So I'm sort of in this like flowy, like I'm just in my bedroom playing video games, mooching about, seeing the people I need to do. And then on the job, I'm ready. My camera's ready for a self-tape when I get that. So like I've sort of, and I've had like years of, I know the work a little bit where it's like nothing will be surprising. I mean, of course, there's always surprises, but I know the work. It's just me, my body in space saying these words. Um, And so, and and, and there's that point where you can't really do much. Then it's just you're riding the momentum of your reputation, the work that you do. But for me, what I want to apply myself to now, and it literally began this afternoon, I've been sort of constipated because I don't like, you know what I said, I don't like homework, I don't like writing, but I love films. And where does it begin? It begins with a script. And I've I've tried, you know, making films um, just with the equipment, just people in space. Fuck it. The last thing I want to do is, right, let's just do it. But it's grossly inefficient. And you need something that everyone is like, we need a Bible that we're working off of. So everyone's on the same page and we share our energy into. So I'm applying myself to, yeah, finally using final draft that i've so have you have you started writing a script yeah i've started writing a script and, um can you have you got an elevator pitch uh yeah i do Go so on. basically as we were speaking about before that like films um there's there's a mistrust and as an actor that uh, you know sort of studying what it is live in performance being the the sort of putting myself at stake and and taking different scripts, doing classical scripts like Shakespeare and stuff like that. There's a reason we keep doing the things that are that work. Even five hundred years ago, we're still doing it today. I'm auditioning for a Shakespeare piece tomorrow. Like, what this guy died? He's gone, but his work still resonates. And that's because it takes a, 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 a an Elon Musk type genius to understand and trust in the presence of fear. That if you if you write something that is human, people will watch it. People will resonate with it. We don't need a we don't need a, a, a spy that's the best in Russia that sort of change. We don't want someone that's murdered fifty people. We don't need we don't need that. It's cool, it's cool, but we don't need that. And so to apply yourself and bet on just just the, the value of people and fear and love and the complexity of her. Uh, That is something that I would love to. I complain about when I watch stuff and like when I watch plays and I watch stuff and it's it's either ridden with a political message that's just complete nonsense and then people that are the actors become pawns; for, they become propaganda pieces. And I go, this, creati- this is not creativity. And theatre is plagued with that. And then film is just reused content and reused st- stories and and IPs and stuff like that. Where we go, all right, I like Darth Vader, but I think I'm like it's done now. Like I, I don't, I, it's, I, there's only so much I can tolerate now. And then, so then there's we've reached a, a, a dead end, and I think that needs to be renewed by. It's not coincidence because I think as I navigate through this very actively, very conscious and and actively conscious and aware of what I enjoy and what I dislike, there's a real hunger, I think, for many people. And it's one of those things where it's... um, for example, people that used Atlas Maps—they didn't know they wanted a digital version of that. And I think the equivalent of our equivalent, our artistic equivalent, is that I think people—they don't know they have it, but they have an appetite for seeing themselves reflected, not not as a political piece, as ah, oh, I'm ref- I'm represented. We don't want to be rep- We want to be. We want to see. I think what love is, love is the share. It's a single soul shared within two bodies and i want to write characters where i don't care about like one thing that i love about shakespeare is, is use of language but i don't care for me as an artist and doing like Meisen exercises which is like it, it takes away the value of what we say because we're just repeating each other it's it's honing in in f- what, what is two bodies in space three bodies in space what is love what is jealousy what are all those things and just exploring that by people being people in the mundane, and I'm flirting with that, and I want it to be absurd, I want to push the, the, because I think that the world is a lot weirder than we think it is, and there's so many weird situations that happen, and so many, it, we, we, like there's so many rooms, just think of how many rooms there are, with different people, with different relationships, and the funkiest shit that happened, and I want, I want to, I want to bring light to that. I don't want it to be a sexy actor that that wins over the woman or beats the hero. Like those those tropes I think we're bored of. I need it, I want I want weird. I want sort of um, I think my style is like absurd comedy. But it's a, and one thing that John Beschizza says that resonates. Um, and it sticks with people say stuff that your brain, uh, Duncan Trussell says sort of brain snapshots. And he says, when you do a comedy, you have to play it like a tragedy. And when you do a tragedy, you have to play it like a comedy. And for me, my style of comedy is these people just committed. I want to show how weird we are, how we're not labels. We're not just this. We're not like that. We're not like that. No one's good. No one's bad. To remove the dichotomies and show the, the full hues and, and, and textures of human beings in just the mundane, normal life. And, and like Shawshank Redemption, I would love for my films to not be shot in studios, to be shot in places. Because not only do people have a wealth of uh, information that they carry in them, just, just in them being them. And then what we decide to say doesn't really matter. But not only do, does that exist in people, that, that infinite wealth and of... of it's, it's buildings. It's space. It's yeah, the yeah. It's the weather. And I want that. I want that all to be part of it, because when and and because when you're, I, I've I've said psychedelics a lot because it's a. I think it's going to be something that, you know, how people say, what is your thing that you care about? It's for me, it changed my life to the point where I just I love the world again. I love the world. I saw everything, and it's it's so much that you can't you can't begin to to package it in anything. But art is that is what it is. It's it's drawing a. A border around our, our world, and film—it's the most high-yielding, high sort of um, bandwidth of showing that you're showing people being like them. You're recording it. You're, you're that lens is codifying and 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 digitizing, like digitizing real space and di- demonstrating it. And, and I don't want it to be beautifully. Ins- I want it to be as as it's it's the fine line between. You want to show the magic of this formless universe, but in a, in a script that's formed. And for me, I think what I'm exploring with today, uh, instead of writing, uh, uh, just writing characters and and making the language not the most important, like what they say the most, like just giving an, a script so that we can record something that I don't know how it will look. I don't know who's going to play them. But I pray that we capture it in the most in the most innocent way, so that the magic it, it's presented to us. So it's beyond, and I think that's something that, in acting, I, I wish to do. But that's only me with my body. But in filmmaking, it's just bringing all these artists together because I think I think that's what everyone everyone that does it they want to be able to do that. Um, and instead of waiting for these production companies and stuff to give that a, a opportunity. So you have to, you have, you, if you're complaining about it, and you just got to do something about it. And, you know, if it's worked out for me, it worked out. But like, uh, the reason I say worked out is I got money. I got this monetary, like, this like people. I got money that I can buy real things. I can buy food. I can travel. I can get on a train that takes fuel by just putting on a face in front of a camera. Like, this is fucking weird, bro. And so if life has shown me that you can do that, for me, that's a success. And then I think I'm going to use that um, to hopefully make those films. And like, you know, how some, like, in, like people like voices like Christopher Nolan and, and Quentin Tarantino and Steven Spielberg, we look, look at them and they have their own things. Um, I wish those things that I've, I've just said now, I, I hope that I, I'm able to pave, not just, and not in a way of conquering a space so people look at me and make a statue of me but just so i have a little pocket of the world because you can't change the world you can only change your world and i wish to interact with a pocket of the world with artists and people that just want to want to do that and share space and time with them and have fun and then hopefully share that with the world in in, in the like the part of me, making a film is that we want to sh- we want to share it it's just the, the concept of sharing it and that, and I, I got, and like I've really been struggling with writing because of just the fact that I'm not disciplined enough in that thing of just just sitting down and committing. My, but I got into a flow, that flow state. Just oh shit, I got into, I got into it, and I almost. Finished, and I'm going to write short scripts now. And I think for me, because of course you have to manage your energy before it burns out, or, or you set an expectation that's too far beyond you at this point in time. So I'm writing short scripts. I'm writing a short script now and then just going to sort of send emails that's how you get an acting agent my my girlfriend she didn't get signed out of drama school and so you just send emails and then um and so I, it's all just people and so i just I, when i have the thing just send it to people and and hopefully we'll see what happens and if the worst case scenario no one takes it on which I, i'll be surprised because the shit i'm auditioning for sometimes you look at them and you go what what the fuck um, if that if that doesn't work out I'll just get um, use the camera that I have and make it work um, move the world to do that because I think it's important and maybe it, it, it'll be but it's as you said like you made sure it's really exhausting and I don't want to get burnt out and I think I was very close to sort of like and the reason I had I, I did it during drama school I made a film um, with people for the first time with a script and it was good, but it took me months to edit it to the point where it came out. I was like, I I, don't even, I hate it now. I don't I don't like it. And so then I learned the value of collaboration, which I'm afraid, I think every artist is afraid of. Every artist just wants to be a painter with a canvas and a paintbrush, and that's me, voila, but you can't. And then I think, but that's also what makes it beautiful. Um, and so I think part of me reaching out and making it um, going the legit way of getting a sort of producer and stuff like that. It's just so that that takes the load off of me. I do the creative stuff and then I find people that love it. Hopefully someone will. And uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Beautiful.
0: Oh. I think that's a good place to to wrap it up. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, three questions. Yeah. So um, first question is, if you could act opposite anyone, living or dead, who would you choose?
1: Wow. Um, it's just picking one, in it? I think it would be... It's going to be one of those ones where I'm cycling home and I go, fuck, I don't know I don't think of it. uh, It's. I think it's going to... You know what? Samuel Jackson.
0: Good call. Yeah. Good call. Okay, second question, my my more familiar questions. Second question is if you were trapped in a TV show for a month. Yeah. What would you choose?
1: I would love the I don't know what if the actual like a desert island one or like where, where you're stranded or like the Bear Grylls one in like nature. I think that would be Okay, nice. Yeah,
0: away from people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a bag of mushrooms well, and some food. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one is the is the now uh, world famous through most of North London. Um, you can have ten million pounds in cash right now, but you're being chased by a snail. Yeah. If the snail touches you, you die a horrible death. The snail cannot be stopped. The snail cannot be killed. The snail knows where you are at all times, and it has only one purpose, which is to get to you. Would you take the money?
1: No, because the, the that that money oh, it's, it's, it's what we went to said earlier. At what cost? And fear, fear, it ruins a life.
0: Okay, so um, the YouTube channel is R A
1: W A E D Ruid.
0: and your what's your Instagram? You're on Instagram.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Raweed was actually taken. Ah. Oh. Some dead account, bro. It's some like mum like in like in the Middle East that fucking she doesn't even use it anymore. I've actually DM'd her going, Really? Her Can account. I have it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, I, uh, raw weed. So it's R O A R, like raw, like a lion. Um, w A E D. And are you on other
0: social media? Those are the main ones.
1: Those are the main ones. I mean, I've got a Twitter account, I don't really, uh, X now, but I don't actually use that.
0: Um, yeah. cool so so yeah. shorts and movie stuff on the youtube and everything else on the Insta. yeah 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 yeah, yeah cool yeah thank you very much for coming in thank you It's been a great me. conversation it's been lovely man thank yeah you i didn't so much. i didn't know what we were gonna talk about yeah I, I had the feeling it would be it would be fun it was fun oh, i that's really good. enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed it
1: i enjoyed it so much man
0: and uh yeah thank you guys for listening um i know everyone's time is valuable uh we been a good couple of hours, so I think if you stayed with us all the way through, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time, your yes. attention. Hope you got something from it. Uh, reach out to me, to to us. Um, check out the YouTube and the Insta. Um, our Instagram, obviously, is White Basement Pod. Uh, you can find the uh, the podcast everywhere: Spotify, Amazon, Google, etc. And on the YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Put a new episode out every Tuesday at five AM. So stay tuned for more. We'll catch you next time. Rap, rap rap
1: Yeah rap is such a competitive sport. My glasses still on is the incredible dog. They want to try me like the federal car but I'm unashamed of the gospel I've never betrayed That statement of the rappers a wax sauce DJ treat them
0: like Mr. Miyagi and turn a wax off.